Hello and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. All right, repeat after me. Today, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to me about my friendship with God. After today? I will know and fully understand that God wants to redefine me from being a servant to a friend. So after today, I am going to have a better relationship with God. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So excited about this. Okay, if you, if, if you take your notes on this message, uh, the title of this message is Renaming You a Friend. Renaming You a Friend. I, mean, I have some things I need to bust today. Renaming You a Friend. John chapter number 15, starting at the first verse, here's what it says, reading from the New Living Translation. I am the true grapevine, not the city. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you will be my true disciples. This brings me great glory. This brings great glory to, the fa- to my father. I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. That's good stuff. Renaming you a friend. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word. 
Holy Spirit, help us to believe that God is our friend. (laughs) Amen. Gospel according to St. John, chapters 15, 16, 17. uh, It's almost predominantly uh, Jesus uh, talking, speaking, declaring about what his transition uh, meant for those that had been following him. It's interesting. uh, The Lord taught me a a strong lesson on leadership uh, several years back. Uh, by, by asking me this question, and it was a profound question to me. The Holy Spirit said, hey, Tim, do you know what would have happened to uh, the uh, disciples if Jesus wouldn't have left? You know, have you ever been asked a question by the Holy Spirit and, and, you, and you don't know the answer? It's like he asked you on purpose and he knows you don't know. <laughs> Why did you even ask me? It's like Old Testament, go, you know, Ezekiel 37. Can these dry bones live? I don't know. Lord, you don't, you're asking me, I don't, I don't know. It was that kind of question. Hey, Tim, do you know what would have happened to the disciples if Jesus wouldn't have ascended and gone into heaven? I said, no, I don't know what would have happened. He said he would have trapped apostles in disciples' bodies. Their next level of leadership could not come out until Jesus left. Because <laughs> if Jesus was still here, who wants to hear me preach? No offense, right? No offense, right? right? No, no offense taken, right? If Jesus is here, he, you know, he's sitting on the front row. Everybody's looking at me like, hey, uh, you're cute, but uh, kind of want to hear from that chief cornerstone right there. I think he can build my life, right? Like, I mean, so, so, so Jesus is, is preparing his disciples for this transition, And as he's preparing them for this transition, John captures it uh, more than uh, uh, actually he's the only one that captures it uh, because he follows. He he narrates uh, all three years of his earthly ministry. Jesus starts talking about the fact that that you won't be able to do anything unless you remain in me. That 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 outside of me, you can't do anything. (laughs) There's nothing that you would be able to do that would produce fruit that would last long enough if it wasn't done in the context of me. He starts being very direct and very bold about his relationship with his disciples really means. Because since he's transitioning and he's going away, he wants them to understand where their source really comes from. They've been doing miracles on his behalf. They've been, they, they, they've been prophesying and casting out demons and all of this has been going on, but he wants to remind them, hey, uh, you can keep doing that as long as I'm your source. The moment you start thinking this is coming from you and it's not coming from me is the moment you'll have a highlight reel. Because you'll no longer be able to do this stuff. Outside of Jesus Christ, we really can't live the life that we have been called to live. We can't even love the way we're called to love outside of Jesus Christ. There is too many nefarious things that happen in this world that that would justifiably cause us to hate certain things or certain people. It is only because of the love of God that we can push past any of that and look people that despitefully use us or or hate us and go, I love you. I love you. And, 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 And it's a heart transformation. Please understand if it was not for Jesus. 
there would be no way that I could forgive such a person like you. But because of Christ, because of me remaining in him, I'm able to love the unlovable. I'm able to forgive the unforgivable. That doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from me being special. It comes from Christ and me being submitted to his leadership in my life. Starts talking and, and he's, he's laying this all out for them. And then he gets to this part that is just profound. It's profound for a rabbi to go down the path that he went with his disciples. Because he says to them, I, I want you to understand something. I no longer call you slaves. Now, now, now that, 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 that word has some, some triggering uh, uh, in American culture. But if you understand uh, biblical history, uh, uh, slavery uh, uh, in, in many aspects was no different from you going to work. Okay? So, so, and I know we don't want to think about it like that. Some of y'all will quit today if I go down that path. You would be like, I'm not nobody's slave. I quit. <laughs> right? But uh, how many people have a job? How many people are told when to come in? I know you don't want to go down this path. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, mm, I'm starting a business tomorrow. <laughs> how dare you? Now keep, okay. How many are told uh, when you can leave? Right? You got, you got it. How many sometimes they walk in and say, oh, overtime right now? Right? And you're like, ah! Time and a half, amen, but oh. Right? How many people, if you're going to take a vacation, you got to tell somebody? Right? Okay? I'm not calling you a slave. All I'm saying is, you have some slave like characteristics. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I, I know. Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, uh. Oh, it hurts. Where's Juneteenth? I know it. Just stop. Okay. Could be a little comfortable, but I, I, I want to focus in on, on what it meant for a rabbi to say this. Because uh, uh, for disciples of a rabbi uh, in Jewish culture, they were literally uh, 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 giving up their life to serve their rabbi. They were literally taking on that rabbi's yokes, his interpretation of Jewish, uh, 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 of Jewish passages of scripture, of Jewish law. They, 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 they dedicated their life to following another person as if they were a slave. And then Jesus makes some statements that no rabbi would ever make. He says, I don't, after I finish talking to you, I don't even consider you slaves anymore. You, you, you've been following me for the last three years. I'm, I'm, about, to, I'm about to leave. I'm about to do the, the, the thing that God sent me to do. But I want you to understand the way I see you is, is not the way rabbis and disciples usually interact. I have shown you through my life that, that, that I am not concerned with you serving me as much as I am concerned with me serving you. What rabbi do you know that washes his disciples' feet? 
What, what, what rabbi do you know that, that is making house calls for his disciples? Peter's mother gets sick, mother-in-law gets sick, and he makes a house visit and heals her, and she gets up and cooks him some food. Amen, mother-in-law. God bless your life. What, what rabbi do you know that, that is giving authority away? Not trying to hoard it for themselves, but literally giving it away and saying, hey, listen, greater works are you going to do. You'll do double, triple. You're going to do some stuff that I'm not going to even do. I'm going home to my dad. Rab, this is unprecedented. Rabbis don't act like this. Pastors don't act like this. What pastor do you know <laughs> that, 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 will, that, that will give you the credit for something, not try to hold it for themselves? What pastor do you know that, that, that is not, not trying to be served, but willing to come out and serve? I'm going to deal with some stuff. B because Jesus is, is, is setting a paradigm of thought. So that we can relate to him in a completely different way. And so I have three points to this message and, and I want you to write these down because uh, they're very, very important and, and they're going to guide me so I can take my time and really break this stuff down. Y'all ready? Point number one, please write this down. You're not a slave. You are not a slave. Jesus makes this statement to his disciples. And for the first time, if they're hearing this, this is they don't know what to do with this. They're kind of going, I'm sorry, what? Now, I know you've done some 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 things that that have that have really disoriented us. And 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 and, and we love the access that we have with you. But 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 we're here to serve you. We're we're here to to to, to make sure that your vision comes to pass. We're here to make sure that 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 we can have this relationship with you. And, and he's telling them, no, no, I, I don't want to relate to you like that. That's not the way I want this relationship to be. I want it to be different. Galatians chapter number four, starting at the first verse, here's what it says. Think of it this way. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for giving us a different way to think about it. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance to his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had. To, they, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it is with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no... You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. Since you are his child, God has made you his heir. When you see yourself as a son and daughter, when you see yourself as a friend, it changes the way you relate to the one you're in relationship with. Uh, my dad is sitting here on the front row, and I remember 
uh, when I was uh, uh, younger, when I had just hit, you know, that adolescent stage puberty and going through all those changes, voice changing and hair growing everywhere. And you're trying to figure out what life is. And and and, and you know, you start kind of pushing against uh, the framework of boundaries and all that kind of stuff. I remember my dad saying to me, son. I love you. And one day we are going to be great friends. Clearly that day was not the day. <laughs> One day, we are going to be great friends. But right now, I am your father. I was calibrated. I was like, mm. well, amen. Man. I hadn't matured to the point where I could really enjoy another aspect of the relationship with him. Now we're great friends. I love just talking to my dad. I just love calling him on the phone and talking to him. And wisdom just spills out. He has no idea. I'm just taking nuggets. When I go over to my mom and dad's house, sometimes I'll just sit down. Oh, my goodness, they didn't even know this. I'm about to say it. Oh, my goodness, mommy and daddy. I just record them. Now, you know, <laughs> I just sit down, we, we get into these great discussions and I'm like, I need this. And I just put the voice memo on and just slide it. And I'm like, keep talking. <laughs> just wisdom, just sponsor. We, we have a great friendship now because I've matured to the point that I can understand the relationship. Now, 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 now listen, you, you need to understand what it means to go from, 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 from living with this mindset of, of God the creator and, 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 and Jesus your savior. And, 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 and then he says, no, I don't, you're not a slave. I need, you to stop, I need you to stop saying certain things the way you say it. I, I need you to stop using uh, slave talk in your interaction with me. Because friends don't talk like this to each other. I, I, I really want you to understand that, 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 that I want a relationship with you. That, that, I, that I'm not trying to rule over you. I'm trying to relate with you. There's no way God puts on flesh, dwells among us, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, unless he wants a relationship with us. So, so let me help you out. If your prayers have kind of been, oh, Lord, use me. Consume me. Pour me out as a drink offering to you. Oh, God, I'm not worthy. But I'm just so grateful that you look down upon a wretch like me. And just decided to scoop me up. I am mere dust in your sight. Just go back to any of your BFFs. Have you ever talked like that with them? Any of your best friends? Just have you ever picked up the phone and called your BFF? It's like, oh man, so grateful that you're in my life. And I just want you to use me up. I'm so glad I have a relationship with you. Use me until I am no more. 
Whatever you want to do is fine with me. Wherever you want me to go, fine with me. Whatever you want me to say, fine with me. (laughs) Your friend would be like, are you okay? You're kind of acting weird. Why? Sometimes church culture has produced a narrative And it's been reinforced by the way that you serve leaders. I told you I'm going to just take my time. There's been leaders in church culture that have not, they have not told the people that they, that they serve in life with that were friends. So their only way to relate to leadership is to serve. But that service is on like a level that I can't find in the Bible. Like, like th- this level of service that, that some of these leaders impose, and I'm using a strong word because that's exactly what it is, impose upon the people that, 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 that are doing life with them is concierge. I got to take your clothes to the dry cleaner? You that busy? I have to iron your pants in your own house? You that busy? What do you do all day that you can't iron your pants? You can't wipe the sweat off your own head and the handkerchief is in your pocket. I'm just trying to figure out. I'm just trying to figure out if Jesus came to the church. If he would be like, that's not actually, that's not actually that. I didn't, I don't remember, I don't remember doing that. My memory's pretty good. You're not slaves. This is supposed to be a relationship where we are serving each other. Point number two, you're a friend. You are a friend. When you're a friend, things are completely different. In a friendship, as opposed to a working relationship where where one is the boss and the other is the worker, where one is the master, the other one is the servant. It's a completely different thing when you are doing life with a friend. I want you to understand that this has been God's plan all along is to bring us into a friendship with 
him. Exodus chapter number 33, verse number 11. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. (laughs) I don't even know what that looks like. This is Old Testament, what, 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 what we would refer to as an anthropomorphic term. It's when we try to take something as big as God and, and, and use language that, that, that allows us to understand him better. Right? It's, it's like when we say that, 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 that God uh, w- w- would be like one where we can brood under his wings. Does he really have wings? No, we're just trying to figure it out. How does the presence of an almighty God who sits or stands or whatever he does outside of time fill a tent? And where does his face come from? Did he just make a face? Create one that Moses can handle and not drop dead? I don't know. But he's but he's trying his best to to, to let you know, I want a relationship with you. I didn't bring you out of bondage to Pharaoh. I didn't bring you out of slave to sin to now be a slave to me. I I brought you out of that so you could have a relationship with me. Now, some of my Bible guys are in here like, well, Paul called himself a slave of Christ. And I get it. But but if you're going to use that language and, and be with Christ, Christ's slavery is friendship. Here's what he's saying. I took off the the rabbinical yoke of all these other people that wanted to keep me a servant. And I put on the yoke of somebody that wanted me to be his friend. One more verse in uh, uh, this point is James 2, 23. And so it happened, just as scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Anybody, anybody want God to be their friend beside me? Like, like I, I want him to be my friend. Now, now here's the reason why some people don't, don't uh, uh, in churches don't, don't want to preach that he's a friend because they think you'll take him for granted and you won't serve him anymore. He's not your friend. He's your savior. Master and king. Majestic and holy. I'm so sorry I'm using that voice. <laughs> I'm triggering all kind of people in here. They're just flinching. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to behave. <laughs> I said, I'm trying to behave. She said, too late. Maybe I'm not. Okay. So he wants a friendship. Listen, becoming his friend won't diminish his power. Somebody needs to write that down. Becoming his friend won't diminish his power. It won't change the fact that he's God. And and, and when you really if you really value a friendship, you're not going to take it for granted. You're not going to try to manipulate or control that person. You're not going to try to get that person to do something uh, uh, that, that, that is going to be detrimental to their, to their own uh, uh, life experience. You're going to try to enhance. How many people have a BFF? You, you have somebody that you were like, I will shoot. <laughs> pool with this person. I, just, 
I got a gun culture in here, so I just got to make sure. I got one now, right? (laughs) I didn't see a sign that said I couldn't, so. Right? Like you, you gotta, you gotta BFF that you're like, I, I'm ride or die with this person. I'm, I'm, I, I'm with this person. There, there's, if this person called me at 2 a.m., I would be there at 2:10, right? That's, that's, that's kind of relationship you want. You're not gonna try to violate that relationship for your own personal gain. You would do anything you can for that person. That person would do anything they can for you. This is what Jesus did. Everything he could for you. Everything he could to bring you back into a family relationship with God. By putting his body on the cross to be broken and his blood to be shed. That's how much he wanted us to be friends with God. That he paid for it with his own body. And that's how I want to relate to God. Let me tell you something. A good friend, go back and read Proverbs. There's three or four verses in in, in, in chapter number 27 that talks about what a good friend would do for you. A, a, A good friend would tell you the truth. Faithful are the, are the wounds of a friend. Having a good friend doesn't mean that you won't be corrected. Having a good friend means you have accountability. That's kind of the Holy Spirit's assignment. To dwell on the inside of us, we become the temple of God. The Holy Spirit resides on the inside of us. And as a good friend would always do, don't do that. Mm-mm, don't do that. I know you. I already know how you get down. You need to go home. You think you're strong enough to go in there. You won't make it. Please go home. That's the Holy Spirit being a good friend. But a lot of us, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, okay. A lot of us make decisions that, that, that impact us negatively. And because we don't know God as a friend, we actually think God is the one that gave us the negative impact. And I'm, just, I'm just trying to be sensitive to what I hear the Holy Spirit saying to me. I, I have literally heard people say, uh, you, you know what? I did something and then something bad happened. And, you know, that was just God teaching me a lesson. So I won't do that again. And then I'm like, oh, hey, real quick. No, God didn't teach you a lesson. You taught yourself one. <laughs> but like you don't run into a brick wall and then say God made it hard. To teach you a lesson. And I ran into a brick wall and cracked my, you know, I fractured my skull. You know, God just wanted me to learn (laughs) not to go into brick walls. The wall was already hard. You hit it. God didn't send the brick wall to your house and hit you with it to say, now, now, you know. Walls are hard. No, we cannot. We can no longer. This is why we have to grow up. That's why we have to. We have to become spiritually mature. You can no longer take the negative consequences of your life, and, and then try to create a narrative that that God is the one that that took you through that to teach you something. Just own up to the fact that I did something stupid, but God is such a faithful friend that He stuck with me through it. And he's getting me back to the path that I need to be on. That's what a friend is. Right? You got drunk. A good friend drives you home. 
You can't look back at the friend and be like, you know what? You, you, you got me drunk so you could teach me that I shouldn't be inebriated. He wants you to be a friend. He wants to be a friend to you, and he wants, to re- wants you to relate to him the same way. Last point, please write this down. You're chosen. You're not a slave. You are a friend. And you are chosen. Let me tell you the best thing about being a friend of God is that he chose you to go into a friendship with. Anybody ever played uh, basketball on the blacktop where they chose captains and everybody has to line up. They get the two team captains and they the people choose who they want on their team. You ever get nervous after the third selection? You start questioning yourself. Am I that bad? I thought I at least had a good enough jumper. That Billy would have picked me second. I mean, I knew, I knew, I knew Fred was going first. I mean, he's six eleven, but I have a jumper. I, I don't know if you could wrap your mind around this, but God chose you, and He didn't. Again, this is this is. This is something that's in his omniscience that I won't fully know until I, until I go ask him when I get home to heaven, not to Denton. Um, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't choose first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, eighth. With the, with the 142nd selection in this year's NFL draft, he, he didn't do that. He created us all. And then chose us all. First. I created you and I choose you. I don't know how that works. But Jesus says in John chapter number 15, verse number 16, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You weren't even thinking about me. And I just walked down and was like, you, I want a relationship. Love to have a relationship with you. Hey, you, I'd love to have a relationship with you. Why? I pointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. You're chosen. He chose you and I to be his friends. You have no idea how wonderful it is to have a relationship with God and to relate to him as a friend. It makes the mistakes you make look completely different. Because when you blow it, you go tell your friend, let me tell you the dumb thing I did today. And your friend goes, man, you should not have done that. How you feel? I feel terrible. What you want to do about it? I want to change Great, I want to help. That's what a good friend does. A good friend, you have a pity party, they're like, "Mm mm-mm. I mean, I love you, but I'm just not going to have the pity party with you. I can't do that. It's a good friend. 
He chose you to be in relationship with him. Do you know, the, the apostles had a confidence. Go back and read Acts. The apostles had a confidence that came with knowing that they were friends of God. You don't get that confidence thinking that you're a slave. You don't get that confidence as a servant. You're always going back. I can't do anything without you. Please help me. Now go back and go back and just read Acts chapter number three. Look how confident Peter was in his friendship with Jesus. The man asked him, do, do you have any alms to give me? You have any donations for me? He goes, I'm fresh out of donations, silver and gold. I don't have any of it, but I will give you what I have in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Peter didn't go into a huddle with John. Let's ask the master. Come on, let's go before him right now. Oh, God, there's a guy here. He's crippled. Oh, Jesus. Please, Jesus, I need your help. If you don't come through, what can we do? Oh, God, I need you right now. Oh, I need you. I really need you. I double need you. I triple need you. I stand on your word. I'm really standing on it. Like for real, I'm standing on my own Bible. Would you please come through? And he's sitting up there, because would you do that to a friend? Would you call your friend for $20 and go, oh, friend, oh, friend, if you don't give me this $20, friend, I won't have gas money for this week. And I need to go to work for four days straight. I need... $20 and I need it today <laughs> I hope this laughter changes your mind He wants you to be his friend, not his slave. He chose you and called you into a relationship. Not to continue to act like you don't have it. Friends don't beg their friends. They simply ask. And today he is renaming you to be his friend. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your five-week series called Redefine. I hope you've been blessed as much as I have. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.